Hey everyone, we have a Facebook and an Instagram for the Amrikis podcast. Podcast? Yes. Oh, Did, sorry, that it, was weird. How, see, that's how it sounds like when you say it. <laughs> if you don't mind liking us on both of those things, commenting, liking, subscribing, all that good stuff. It would be really appreciated because, you know, we got to get the algorithms to say we're great. Yes, indeed. At least at a minimum. Give us five stars. Five stars on Apple Podcasts or any other platform would also be great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's the thing about Ramadan is that the idea of a recharge. People come out of Ramadan with a renowned sense of direction. And I think without that fasting element, the idea that was prescribed to all nations, you wouldn't have that. Welcome back to the next installation of the Ramadan series, a mini-series sponsored by the Ambrikis. I'm here today with our next guest, uh, my friend from a while back, Jamil. Although, as I was talking to him, we haven't actually met face-to-face and or talked in maybe uh, six or seven years. It seems that this is kind of a thing for me as I'm reaching out to old buddies and old friends of mine to do this, um, to do this uh, series. And I am uh, here joined by Jamil uh, right now. Who? <laughs> so say hi to the peoples, Jamil. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have you only reach out when you need something from your friends. It, it is. Was, it is the I true. Honored. <laughs> it is the I true was... trademark of an Arab, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, I, you know, whenever the the uh, uh, conversations start, whether it's six, seven years or a couple of days, it's always a pleasure and an honor to, to hear from you. Well, thank you. And I, I'm honored that you uh, agreed to be on here. And I, I know it's a, a little bit, you know, not necessarily something that you do on a regular basis. Um, in a way, and I've said this probably a few times to people in the past week, like, even though we, I know who you are, I still like, I think that we need to kind of meet all over again because there is a mm-hmm. lot in our lives that we don't know about each other in fact we mm-hmm. spent the first like 15 minutes on you know just kind of catching up um but i was wondering if you can just kind of give everybody here just a little bit of a brief uh overview of who you are your origins your life you know and i know that's a lot but just you know a few things just so people can kind of place you in the broad spectrum of what we call the Ambriki's world you know yeah, that's a that's a that's a question I'll uh, I'll, I'll get into. It's a difficult question, uh, <laughs> but the best uh, best way to start it: born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. Not a lot of people can make that claim. Uh, not a lot of people might admit to it, um, but that's that's the hometown. I went to the U of A, graduated in 2010, I think it was. Which yeah. every time anyone says 10 years ago, my mind is is the 2000s, early 2000s. Yeah, it's still getting hard to think that 10 years ago plus is when it all it all started to go downhill but uh, yeah <laughs> it was great it was a great time and i also at the time was uh, had the the privilege and the opportunity to work with you a little bit uh when we were both very involved in the masjid scene there that's right um, that's right we you so, and i did grow up together like in the youth group scene at the masjid for sure um yeah. do you remember those youth group days you know i was i was in and out Sure. Uh, so I kind of knew everyone from afar, with a few exceptions to people that lived around me. Mm-hmm. So I always, I always 
perceived myself as an outsider and whether that was the reality of how everyone else felt is a different story but i always did kind of feel a little bit on the outside i mean that is a common feeling for a lot of people like a lot of arab americans in our shoes um but i actually did always feel that i was on the inside believe it or not especially when it came to hmm. the masjid um i felt like i was like part of it and i was doing things the right way quote unquote um and it it's i think it's a humbling experience later on to find yourself on the outside and be like oh I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I must have been very arrogant. Um, if, it's very it, humbling. I'm curious, especially as somebody who kind of saw yourself as an outsider growing up. Um, and this is just my, my best segue into this. Um, how was Ramadan specifically for you, like as a child at, growing up in your household? Um, do you remember anything unique about it? Uh, just, just curious. You know, I, I really pushed to fast at a really young age. I think around second grade is when I started fasting um, full days and then like the full the full 30 days. And, mm -hmm. and I remember really, really wanting to do it. And my dad being like, I don't know if you're ready, like, like basically like making me prove that I really wanted to do it. Um, and whether he was intentional with that or, or not, it just really made me want to fast. Um, you know, we would turn off uh, all electronics and it would be about prayer after Maghrib and, and read Quran and whatnot, uh, which I find really interesting now, just trying to keep that that level of focus and dedication towards Ramadan as an adult is, is, is daunting. You kind of have to follow that same routine you found as a kid. But I, I don't know if you remember this, but it was, it was like 5 p.m. Maghrib when we were fasting because it was like December. <laughs> And I just remember just like this is so easy. Like, why are any why is like, why is everyone complaining about this? We're definitely in the same age group because um, so second grade you would be what seven or eight, right? Um, and yeah, so, yeah. I remember during that time I was probably uh, nine um, or ten. I'm not sure what the age difference between us is, but it was in the winter. We were yeah. It was definitely less than twelve hours, <laughs> and it was something that was. Uh, that was like no big deal. Um, I remember, and since you brought this up, um, did you go to public school growing up in the U.S.? I did. I went to Lulu Walker Elementary School in Lu <laughs> I went to Davidson Elementary in Tucson. Um, and uh, I remember specifically during Ramadan, I would sit there in the cafeteria and not and give away like my food to the people next to me to kind of score some points um like i didn't sit oh, it out so funny you did that i don't know You're, if you did the same thing i did the opposite okay i would collect food from people <laughs> to later eat like in my bedroom like sweets obviously i wasn't collecting like half a chicken nugget but i would collect their dessert and like i was like hey i can't eat for like seven or eight more hours and they would all feel so bad for the poor foreign kid oh, uh, yeah. and they would and they'd give me the little cupcake and okay. i would do that for like 30 days I remember one time my mom, I, f I finally forgot to like hide it in my hiding spot. My mom was like, why do you have a full freezer size Ziploc bag of like month old chocolate oh, and cupcakes and okay. chips? So you never actually uh, got to it. Huh? it no, I would eat it. That was just what was left over. Okay. I got okay. to it so often. It was just like the, the, the like crumbs bag. Right. But yeah, she was not happy with that. <laughs> and I see. That, that got stopped really fast. But man, that was, that was a good couple, couple of days though of, of, uh, of some diabetes. No, <laughs> so I, I remember doing that in the U.S., but it like my Ramadan experience really took off when I went to Palestine and I was nine years old. Yeah, and um, for us, like 
I would collect so many sweets throughout the day and like waiting to eat mm. it later on. And the whole, like, you know, usually, you know, your classes are like 50 minutes to an hour. Uh, but during Ramadan, it actually gets cut down to 20 minutes or even less. Um, and you feel it like the whole th- situation kind of changes around you. Um, so did you ever cheat as uh, a kid? I did not cheat. Um, I remember like you liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't, I never cheated cause I like took it seriously enough, but I remember crying on the couch. I think once like, because I was so hungry and yeah. my mom is like, Halas, like, you know, break your fast. And I'm like, no, I will, I will make it, you know, I will survive. But I was still crying anyway. And I think that actually describes a little bit of my life in general. Oh, <laughs> um but i never cheated but i definitely forgot you know sometimes and yeah. i would just eat and i'm like because they taught us like that it is a gift from god that if yeah. you if you forget and so um but ramadan for me definitely like took off you know in palestine and i'm just curious for you like how did ramadan evolve as you got older um did it change at all is it something that you looked forward to is it was it too much did you get really into it like uh, what was your experience like? Well, you, you, I mean, you, you describing taking it serious, I think, is the is the struggle when it's 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 environmental when mm-hmm. everyone's participating. Yeah, well, you know, within your world, within your own ecosystem. But as you get older, um, you know, it, it, a lot of the the burden of efforts is is placed on your shoulders. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a complicated relationship because I'm very big on sleep. Like I have a very strict sleep schedule. Mm. Um, where anything if i'm asleep or excuse me if i'm awake past 10 p.m i'm, I'm not asleep and i'm actually like doing something mm-hmm. like the police need to be called because there's been an emergency like wow. i should not be awake after 10 p.m and i wake up at like 5 5 30 um and that's like that's when my day starts oh so, so so you you have a pretty good sleep schedule then alhamdulillah and that's after like 30 years of just like the worst sleep schedule like i have to become i've become like very defensive of that like i'll cancel plans so i can maintain my 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 uh, sleep schedule good for you useful the next day thank you i appreciate that uh but yeah ramadan's coming it's everything's gonna be messed up yeah Um, and the same thing with like a workout schedule like i haven't worked out like in a month (laughs) because like what's the point because once ramadan hits i'm gonna have to do those i'm gonna have to do another reboot like go on uh pinterest and like get those inspirational motivational wallpapers uh to like reboot my gym going but it's very it's a it's a very but that's the thing like i but but once it starts it's like none of that's like my sleep schedule doesn't matter my my workout matter Mm -hmm. it's like you're sprinting for 30 days uh trying to get as much prayer as you can as much quran as much as you get as much dua like you try to catch those odd nights at the at the end of ramadan so then you kind of feel guilty about you know, treating this this uh, this guest uh, with any anything but you know full devotion. Um, but yeah, that would be that's kind of the nature of the relationship is all these like dunya layers to it. This this um, this uh, what would you call it? worldly paradigms that we that we put it into fall apart like once you know once the first night hits because the reality sets in of of what's actually occurring. Right, but uh, so it sounds like there's a little bit of a. a- like a tug between, oh, I really want to have my routine and I really want to have things in a certain way. And on the other hand, you have like, um, just like, oh, you know, this is actually a challenge. This is actually something that uh, is a test for me. Um, 
so it it but it I can pick up in your voice that you you kind of like that part is am I am I reading you correctly whenever you're nefs like whenever the ego like comes across like friction mm -hmm. uh you really have to to investigate like why that is and for me that's entertaining like that not entertaining but like that's beneficial mm -hmm. um they say like when someone is able to anger agitate you you should thank them because they've revealed something about yourself that you were that you were unaware of hmm. uh like you know your best friend gets something that you really wanted and that first emotion that comes to mind isn't like that you're for happy for your friend it's it's actually like a very let's say evil eye type reaction okay uh that's something that you should investigate within yourself like why do i feel this way that my best friend had something which was not taken from me is i'm independent of this entire um transaction like why am i having such a visceral negative feeling for it okay. so like when with this ramadan situation like i recognize that that's a deficiency within myself because i should have been, been preparing for ramadan since Sarajab. So the Sahabis used to they have a practice or uh, saying that um, the the two months before Ramadan is, is Rajab, mm -hmm. that's when the the seeds are planted, and then Shaban, mm -hmm. which is the Islamic month that we're in now, that the crop is 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 watered, mm -hmm. and in Ramadan it's harvested. Yani, yeah. if you've if you've come to Ramadan and you're just getting ready for it, you're probably not going to get the most that you want out of it. That you, it takes preparation. It's an, it's a marathon. It's a sprint. You you can't go into these situations. It's a it's a thirty day sprint marathon. And you have to prepare for it as such. So I think for me, my relationship with it is is treating it with its due right and mm -hmm. recognizing that I am deficient in that and, and trying to make up for it. Inshallah, we can take advantage of it. So, so that's really interesting that you talk about that because I also grew up with a very similar idea that whenever difficulties come my way or like some sort of change in paradigm or change in just the natural flow of things that it's an opportunity, you know, to like look deep and see what's coming up for me and how can I approach it. And I've actually lived a good par part of my life constantly like investigating uh, when things come up that are uncomfortable for me and why are they uncomfortable? Um, and so I can, I can kind of see that like a Ramadan lifestyle, especially like once a year would definitely lend itself to that. And I'm, I'm reminded of that, uh, when it comes to this, although, um, for me, oftentimes, especially with like my mental health issues, you know, being uncomfortable and not having that kind of support or, you know, places to escape into, um, that I have like relied on all of the year especially food um like it really kind of kind of shows all of those problems um like head on and especially if i'm not ready for it i think a lot of times when it comes to mental health and routines and people who like things a specific way um ramadan does play a big role in making things very difficult for those people and we don't talk about that yeah. often enough um, cause you know, tests are fine and opportunities for growth are fine. But when something is like fundamentally like hitting hard, you know, on my psyche or on my mental health in during the month of Ramadan, and I've talked about this a lot for me, especially in my blog posts, which I'll link in the description. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's challenging for me. I wonder if you relate to any of this, um, and keeping in mind that a lot of times, you know, talking about difficulties in Ramadan is not very something that's not very well received in our community. And um, do you do you relate to any of this at all? That the 
I do. The the last part, no, because uh, I I think the community is more advanced than it was when we were more active. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can talk about that concept maybe a little bit more. Uh, you can you can speak about your qualms. You can't. I, you're. I I I think you are accurate in saying that the the full honesty part you probably can't. But I think you could broach this subject a little bit more easily than you could when we were growing up unfortunately okay um and but fortunately for for this generation but yeah the, the ramadan demands your attention mm-hmm. and i think that's the remarkable thing about it and that's the secret of it mm-hmm. um you can pray like the, one of my teachers taught me a story about the shopkeeper and he said this shopkeeper i think it was damascus that he was renowned um for the fact that he could remember every transaction he did that day and he wouldn't write a single one down and he would have a pinpoint accuracy with it. So finally, a kid comes up to me and says like, how do you do this? Um, and he said, he tells the kid, all I need to go is, all I need to do is go into the, into the masjid and start praying. Once I say, <laughs> once I say the takbir, I remember every single transaction. Yani, what, he wasn't mindful in a single second in his prayer. Right. Uh, which is, that's the thing about active action. But when you are fasting, there is nothing on your mind except the reality of your hunger and thirst. Mm. And it keeps, it constantly draws you back to Ramadan, which constantly dri- drives you back to God. And that's, and that's the thing. And you can experience that feeling literally any time out of the year, hmm. right? God is no more present in Ramadan than he is uh, in September. Mm-hmm. Hasha, he's, he's omnipresent. Uh, so that reality that you could have is, is, but because this month has been singled out and you feel that obligation, it has, it's, it has a different flavor to it. So I think that's that's the thing about Ramadan is that those soul like I think Dr. Scott Lucas talked about this in the khutbah is it, the idea of a recharge. Mm. That's why physically every every single influencer talking about you know intermittent the benefits of intermittent fasting and you know 16 18 20 warrior fast like it's it's <laughs> there's physical benefits obviously but why are, people come out of Ramadan with a renowned sense of of I think uh, direction and I think without that fasting element, the idea that was prescribed to all nations, you wouldn't have that. So it does, it, and it does that by being disturbing. Um, the same way wudu is disturbing to your outfit, the way prayer is disturbing to your, to your dunya day, hmm. your dunya outfit, your dunya flow of life. Um, in the grand scheme of things, the three or four hours of sleep I lose a day is, it literally would be a, a, a input calculator error if I put that on the scales with infinity, which is what Ramadan would have an influence on if, if done properly or negatively. Hmm. So I, I absolutely agree with you that it is extremely challenging for anyone that has any, any issues with um, you know, mental health issues or not. But for anyone that likes a routine, hmm. it, it, it demands a break of it. So I'm really happy that you brought up the idea of mindfulness because I think that um so within like mainstream muslim culture oftentimes it's only the mechanics of worship is what gets highlighted um when we are taught um issues of spirituality and religiosity and rarely are issues like mindfulness and like you know staying with the breath and feeling our feelings um and just like in an effort to worship in an effort to connect to god it's rare that those things are also discussed and highlighted um, and, um, I'm kind of disappointed for me, uh, my big, uh, introduction to a lot of mindfulness and meditation has been through, 
uh, other means uh, through the Buddhist tradition, other traditions that have been very helpful. Um, and I've tried to find ways to integrate it with my already existing practice, which has been successful in regarding to like, um, like reintroducing me into prayer and like trying to have me feel prayer a little bit more than usual. Um, Ramadan definitely is an opportunity for almost um, <laughs> coerced meditation. Like you can't really go anywhere with your feelings. You can't go anywhere with your thoughts. Um, you kind of have to feel it all. Um, and, you know, we do have ways that we escape in Ramadan, you know, through social media and f TVs and, you know, shows and things like that. But to kind of take the opportunity, especially like the few moments before breaking the fast, um, to really kind of feel the feelings completely is something that I don't really get a chance to do outside of Ramadan. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of been my my experience with that. But um, there are really difficult days during Ramadan where I don't want to think or feel anything. Um, yeah. I just want to make it to the end. And, you know, in some capacity, that kind of practice is valid as well. Because um, that's, you know, humans are not always meant to be in that mindful place all the time yeah no you're right it's it's something where if you go into it with this high expectation of i'm gonna i'm gonna kill it every night like i'm gonna be first in line for fajr Dhuhr, Asr, uh you know i'm gonna make the adhan for for isha and tarawih gonna open up and, and get those dates on the floor for everyone to to have suhoor like you're gonna burn out after the sixth night um mm. But I think that's that's another thing about Ramadan that we don't talk about is Ramadan meets you where you're at in your practice. Mm. Uh, it, it gives you what you need uh, is, is my feeling on it. So you might have someone that just had a really rough year mm -hmm. and they go into Ramadan and just shoot into uh, into where they need to be. Uh, mm -hmm. in terms of, of practice like that's that's the turning point for them mm. and then you have people that come into ramadan limping like they haven't read quran in a while they haven't been to jama'ah maybe not even a prayer late prayers uh if they tend to be more um if they're on the five those layers are coming um you know delayed the prayers are coming delayed ramadan is an opportunity for that person to to rectify so a lot of the times we're looking to have that superhuman Ramadan experience. Um, but in reality, that's not going to happen. That's not what we need at the time. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. even though we might have experienced that, you know, two, three years back, five years back, even maybe even just that previous Ramadan, the reality of what we need in that in that moment, in that month, in that time is different. So you're going to be able to get what you need out of it. Even if it's just, I need to spend more time with my family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, we forget. I mean, there's a you know, I had this opportunity. I was with Sheikh Yasser Ali, um, who's a hafiz and, and lawyer here in Phoenix, um, where we we took our uh, kids from the from the Islamic school here, Arizona Cultural Academy, to to Umrah. And uh, you know, one of the moms was the chaperones for for the kid, and the men. We had just completed our Umrah a little bit faster than the women did, and we were gonna go uh, get five halal five guys in Mecca, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, the guy, uh, the guy was coming with us, and Sheikh was like, "No, go to your like, no, go to your mom. Like, you guys just finished Umrah together, basically." He's like, "No, I'll go after um, we get five guys." And Sheikh was like, "Bro, your mom just paid for you as a high schooler to go to Umrah, and you just finished it right now. Like, go hug her." Um, and like, why? Like, a, a glance from your parents of joy and acceptance 
extinguishes all your sins. Like that's a hadith. We just did that by doing an Umrah. You flew 16 hours, you spent thousands of dollars for something that if you got what you think you wanted out of that, you could have just done the dishes for your mom or kissed her hand. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So we go into, into situations and practices expecting one thing. But in reality, if we're honest of what we need, that thing might be entirely different. Mm. Um, so for him, that Umrah might have not been accepted and done what he, what, what he needed to do. But his mother's joy that we saw in pictures later on when, when she saw, her, saw him for the first time, that might have been what caused what he was seeking in the Umrah. So this Ramadan, we're looking to do every prayer, every, everything in the masjid, you know, fast uh, uh, with our, not just our, our stomachs, but our eyes and, and ears. We're going to fall short. But maybe that acceptance of us falling short is part of, of what we need at the time. Yeah, and something else you brought up is you know the idea of family and community. Oftentimes, when we think about holidays like Christmas and Thanksgiving, family is really what it, you know, and getting together with the family is something that gets uh, mentioned a lot in the mainstream community. Um, and I think Ramadan for me definitely has family connotations. Back in the old country, pre-COVID. Um, you know, it was like who, which aunt or which uncle are we going to be breaking our fast with today? Um, mm. So it was always going to be family. It was always going to be some sort of connection um, that that has a lot to do with um, with my Ramadan experience. And it sounds like um, just from yeah, but I have to ask you something because sure. you're because you you have a strong enough Arabic language grasp that you can absorb the cinema and cultural elements. Is that is that accurate to say? Sure, I'm, I am fluent in Arabic, yes. So my Arabic isn't strong enough for me to like watch, I mean, I do, but like I don't want to watch Arabic movies. Okay. You know how there's the subset of Christmas movies, which is like finding the true meaning of Christmas? <laughs> do they, do those don't exist about Ramadan, do they? Like a Macaulay Culkin type who's, who's like parents leave them like i don't know like the last 10 days of ramadan to just so, so run wild in the house is that it is, a thing it is a good question um it's i don't i don't think i have the necessary experience um and i haven't dipped my so toes you don't know of any and enough um like arabic media but what i will tell you is that on on big mainstream arabic channels during ramadan um, everything is centered around Ramadan. I mean, like yeah. sim similar to how Christmas here gets really monetized and commercialized, Ramadan has something very, very similar. There's such a thing as a Ramadan series or a Ramadan TV yeah. show. Um, so that does exist. I don't know of any particular like Home Alone type thing, uh, but I can only imagine that there's so much mention of Ramadan in the you know Egyptian and Syrian and other types of movies these days um that have like but nothing i think as pronounced as you know how home alone is definitely connected to christmas how i know most of my christmas songs through you know home alone i don't know but but i think for like my fam like my parents they grew up with very specific ramadan songs that played during ramadan you know so they have that kind of connection um it's just not as popularized it's not as commercialized as like christmas is here um that's a shame well yeah, i'm telling you when this when this goes and you get your spotify deal mm -hmm. you need to make a movie <laughs> with zayn malik as a young man who's trying to find the meaning of ramadan and he's just fasting with no spiritual connection mm. and then all of a sudden like 
he has this dream where he dies and he finds out like the true meaning of Ramadan from like his ancestors, you will make a billion dollars. Like you, a, at least a billion dollars. Like an Uncle Scrooge, you know, um, situation. Yeah, but it's like Uncle Saab in a long shawar kameez <laughs> that's shimmering instead of like, instead of what is that guy? Not I only know Scrooge McDuck because of the my night. limited childhood. The, yeah. what's his name ebenezer scrooge in yeah. his nightgown but it's a it's a long short and then next guy's in like an arabi thobe uh and he's teaching zayn malik you know rami could come in and, right. and do like a guest appearance but i mean a billion dollars from the the zayn malik fans let alone the muslims mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean it it's definitely something that needs to happen um it's just whether or not that there is a global audience for it <laughs> Um, that's really that's really the issue for something like Ramadan. This is kind of another subject for another day about what exactly gets popularized in today's world and why. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I'll keep it in mind. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the the uh, you know suggestion. I think we're kind of reaching the end of our episode here today. Um, I do want to thank you, Jamil, for your time and your willingness to kind of share a lot of those anecdotes and a lot of that, you know, those wonderful philosophies and wonderful, you know, stories about the, the meaning of Ramadan for those who are wanting to experience it. Um, I've definitely benefited from here today. And, it, it, you know, it's interesting so far with all of my different guests for this for this mini series, how everybody's very different when it comes, and there's a big diversity when it comes to Ramadan. So um, thank you. Is there anything else you want to leave us with here today? Um, just wanted to thank you, know, you for doing this. We're very pleased to see this, but also it's very much needed. So inshallah, you guys have continued success in this and it takes off even more. Thank you. Thank you. And I, we appreciate your support and your listenership. And um, hopefully, yeah, I mean, hopefully this is not the last time we bring you on. Uh, we definitely need more guest speakers and more Amrikis. And you're definitely an Amriki for sure. Um, so thank you again. And I think with that, I'll let you go. Um, this is Ihab and Jamil for the Ramadan series as part of the Amrikis uh, saying goodbye. Salam. Uh, thank you so much, all. Uh, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Take care.